The 2TM News Podcast with Romy Gilbert, all thanks to Super Steel Tamworth. There's Steel, and then there's Super Steel Tamworth. Okay, with me today I have Phil Duncan. Phil sits on the board for the Natural Resources Access Regulator. How are you today, Phil? Uh, Yama, that's hello. I'm doing very well, considering. Considering, yeah. Things are a little uh, touch and go, aren't they? Yes, it's a a change world we live in today. Change forever. And where are you located at the moment? I'm currently in Sydney in lockdown um, and... Yes, so adhering to all the um, um, health advice and looking after family. Right, well, I'm feeling for you uh, guys down there. Obviously, I'm, I'm out on, on Gomeroy land, which is another reason why I wanted to chat with you today, um, as I know you identify mostly as a Gomeroy man yourself. Oh, look, very, very proud Gomeroy Mari. That's a Gomeroy man. And my traditional lands are Moree and particularly Terry High High. Um, where the tree that my grandfather was born under still stands to this day. Fantastic. And I think we'll just, we'll kick off. I'd love to hear a little bit about um, just you and your early days. I know that you spent uh, a lot of time on the road as a child with your parents in a caravan. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about what that was like? Well, my father was a shearer. And, um, you know, you had to travel with the times to make sure you had work. And... As a kid, I had the wonderful opportunity of travelling, not just with my immediate parents, but usually with Dad's brothers and other um, relatives on both sides, both Mum and Dad. So I got to see a lot of country. And in my informative years, I, I, um, a lot of the places where we stayed in that caravan for work was beside a river because we needed water. Um, and from the many images, it was a wonderful way of life. And, and um, you know, my mother tells me that I just absolutely loved um, running the riverbanks and um, the, the country and, you know, fishing. Mm. And obviously all this travel fostered an, a, a deeper connection to a different variety of land as well. Look, it gave me, you know, um, the opportunity to through those travels to see a changing landscape over the many years I've been involved in um, natural resource management or in in Aboriginal affairs, really, or as an Aboriginal person. Mm. And, you know, it's changed significantly. And what presents the opportunity for me as an Aboriginal man, a very proud Aboriginal uh, Gomeroy man, is to now influence um, how we look at the protection of a resource in our arteries, in our veins, that's our rivers and our anna branches, um, for the next generations and... To ensure that the, that, that you know um, we're exploring every avenue of being better together, because I think that's a key thing about me. Mm. Um, I'm, I like collaboration. I think that we all have something unique to offer uh, going forward. There was some stuff that you said there that I really want to get into, but I think we'll come back to it. I first, just want you to, to talk me through your journey in Aboriginal affairs. Where did you start out? Uh, I started out as a shearer. I wanted to be the best shearer in the business, like my dad, who was a gun. Um, But um, my mother's background prompted me, as well as um, other key people in my life, prompted me to wade into Aboriginal affairs. 
I cut my teeth uh, with the Aboriginal Legal Service on the block at Redfern. But I was always interested in the cultural landscapes and the protection of the cultural landscapes and looking at our cultural heritage. And I've been very fortunate that I've had a number of mentors over uh, that journey professionally and culturally and uh, family-wise. Um, and help assist me in realising some potential uh, to be involved in influencing, um, you know, the, the, the long-term sustainability of our um, environments and, and, and doing that through a cultural lens and looking at the cultural aspects of where I can influence. Mm. And I suppose this led you to your involvement with NRA and you were the first Aboriginal man to join the board. Yes, uh, prior to that, I've been involved with the Murray-Darling Basin for, since it was a Murray-Darling Basin Commission. And I was appointed um, a couple of years ago as the first Indigenous Chair of the Basin Community Committee. And that gave me the, the, the opportunity to interact with key players, opinion leaders in, in the political landscape or in the political environment, um, and which then created... Um, I was give, afforded the opportunity to be appointed um, to the New South Wales Natural Resource Access Regulator as the first Indigenous board member, mm. which is something I'm profoundly, profoundly grateful for, mm. and I embrace this opportunity with vigour. But having said that, I'm like every other human being. I suffer with what I call imposter syndrome. <laughs> I wake up every day wondering, am I up for this? Am mm. I the right person for this? Um, and essentially the answer is, Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm confident enough in my skills and my ability, particularly around um, networking, communication and influencing, to have the necessary impact that I can at the board level and influence greater engagement and relationships at the community level. And have more Indigenous people been elected to the, to the board since? No, we are a, a, uh, a small board. We are... Um, Obviously, you know, we were created to change the, the, the water compliance landscape in New South Wales. But there are four members of us, um, of our board. It's, our chair is the Honourable uh, Craig Knowles. Our minister uh, is, uh, is um, Minister Melinda Pavey, Minister for Water, Property and Housing. Mm -hmm. But our chair, again, is uh, the Honourable Craig Knowles, um, who was also the chair of the Murray-Darling Basin Authority, uh, Elona Miller. She's had decades' experience in natural resource law. And uh, Bruce Brown, mm -hmm. who, I, um, who brings a valuable insight into rural agricultural economics. And I provide the cultural aspects uh, um, or the cultural advice. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, um, it, that opportunity has realised some potential with cultural heritage being one of the key, poor, uh, key, key items of the four regulatory platforms for the next um, uh, 12 months, 24 months. Why is it so important to have an Indigenous voice when, you, when we are talking about such a precious resource as water? Well, you know, we are recognised as the oldest living um, race on this planet. We are recognised as uh, being the original inhabitants of this country called Australia. And, you know, there is this feeling that we have... An, not a feeling, but we believe we have an intrinsic cultural birthright to be involved in caring for country and now realising the opportunity to be involved in repairing country. Um, it, is, it is paramount in our minds as Aboriginal people that our cultural way of life 
was underpinned by the cultural way in which we had interacted with our cultural landscapes as a people of sustainability. Mm-hmm. So very, very um, proud to be afforded the opportunity to, to influence uh, the long-term management of this precious resource through a cultural lens. And, you know, the long-term management of it shouldn't be looked upon just as through a cultural lens. We will be judged by the next generations of the state of the environment we leave them, and particularly this precious resource called water. So it's a whole of the community um, uh, responsibility for me. I, I, I just think that we need to get better at being better together and having these conversations. I believe, so, you know, my experiences growing up, my family from my great-grandfather to me and beyond me, have all been the beneficiaries of a strong and vibrant rural sector. But from a cultural aspect and a whole-of-community aspect, the recreation and the social aspects of our lives as communities, in, from my perspective as an Aboriginal man, but also as a member of, of a community, presents the opportunity after coming through the most heinous drought in, on record in our country... Mm and come together with a wondering mind. Come and sit and leave our preconceived positions at the door because, for me, what I grew up in was the Australian way of life was looking after one another, and I think that we've lost the ability to negotiate our way forward together whilst looking after one another. Um, And particularly from an Aboriginal perspective, I believe that we have been... We continue to operate from a deficit position. Mm. But again, happy to say that um, through the um, strategic plan and, and the, the uh, regulatory priorities with the NRA agency, Aboriginal um, cultural heritage has is, is been given its rightful place mm. as one of the core fee, uh, uh, four key priorities going forward. And but it should, so not dissuade, it should not dissuade us from going forward, being better together, sharing the journey, sharing the load, sharing the hard times, but supporting one another through those hard times to ensure we have better times ahead. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned that as a young child you spent a lot of time by the rivers. So mm. what do the rivers and their systems and, and water in general mean to you and, and Aboriginal culture? Well, number one, it kept me out of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> um, my best weekends were spent at a place called Gumflat and, um, you know, camping out there. Uh, a couple of us used to take our, our kayaks out there and, and we'd, stay, we'd get dropped off and stay overnight. And being out there, I don't know, it's, it was wonderful experiences, mm. you know. Um, and I just always remember those happy weekends with my friends um, who I live with and family, um, you know, and, and they're special times. But they've stood me in good stead with, stead with those lessons to be able to articulate why we should um, be having dialogue together instead of in isolation of one another. So can you just speak to some of the changes that you've witnessed over the years in relation to water engagement if in, in any region, if not the Gomorrah or wherever you've, you've witnessed mm. most? I have had the profound opportunity to travel the length and breadth of the basin as well as work in the marine estates or the marine environments. And one of the things, particularly from a freshwater environment, is native fish stocks down to less than 10% since colonisation. And that has come about through a a number of reasons. I've seen the the changing flow regimes of some of our major arteries, our major rivers. Um, 
seen water quality and the rise and rise of uh, blue-green algal events. We've seen the, the, the massive um, fish kills um, out at Menindee. And I've seen the decrease in water flows and connectivity of, of our systems. And, you know, that, that, that has troubled me for some time, um, personally and culturally and professionally. Mm. So I, I, I'd like to I like to take every opportunity to be bold and frank with my with my opinions. Good, we should, especially when it's uh, talking about natural resources and things that should be there for everyone to enjoy and uh, should be looked after. So a lot is at stake for river systems: increase in farming, water quality, politics, drought and floods, western land management. The biggest threat to to our water, do you think? I think the, the biggest threat is for us to find balance together. And, you know, um, the ability to compromise, to say, OK, we've just come through the worst drought in, in our country's history. Let's take stock. Let's work better together to put a framework around find, and finding a balance through our ability to compromise and support one another, whether you be industry... Aboriginal, cultural, um, or the wider community um, to ensure that we can mitigate those horrific impacts going forward. We, I have a profound uh, understanding and, and, and of the significance of a rural economy that drives rural labour markets um, via a sustainable rural industry. And... I believe that the, the, the one or the two core words that we need to come to the table with paramount in our minds is balance and compromise and looking after one another. Mm. Yes, it would be great, wouldn't it? I guess there's stuff, there's stuff that we're all, we all, all need to work on consistently as we navigate all of these things moving forward. I don't have too many more questions for you, but I do wonder, do you, do you get back to Gomoroi land? Do you get to spend much time out here in country these days? Uh, oh, yes. Oh, yes. I go home as frequently as I can. I visit the tree of my, of my family, what we call our birthing tree. Mm. Um, I visit family. And because I can enter Moree um, via three different corridors, I can go in through Gunnedah, Narrabri, Tamworth, Manila, or go up and come in through um, Urala in Varel, I get to see um, the positive and the negative impacts um, uh, on our environment and our cultural way of life. Um, and, you know, I, I get challenged. I get challenged, hmm. um, particularly as an Aboriginal man. But I, again, stand firm to my beliefs, both culturally and professionally and environmentally, and, you know, I channel those leaders for me. And, you know, I would like to quote Martin Luther King Jr. in that the mark of a man is not where they stand in time and comfort, but where they stand in time of controversy. And this is a controversial time in our country's history. And I'm up for the long journey to make sure that we are looking at being better together to protect this precious resource. And we can't do it in isolation with one another. That's my message. Come learn about our cultural way of life. 
we understand how important jobs and economies are to support these communities. But, you know, let's look at how we can be better together and compromise and find this balance necessary for our kids and our grandkids and their kids. Well, well, yes, I would argue that, you know, culture is is almost equally as important as a point in having a thriving economy if you don't have a whole, you know, bunch of people that are identifying together through culture and practice. Well, you know, we had a cultural uh, um, economy. It was based on bartering. We were not trophy fisher people. We were sustainable, only used to take enough to feed the family and the clan. And, you know, that's a part of our Indigenous food security and water centrality to that very existence and the longevity of that Indigenous food security or biosecurity um, needs to be paramount in our minds again. It's, it's got to be. Water is a part of everything we do. And we just need to get better at understanding um, where we can find the balance to go forward. Mm. Well, good on you, Phil, and thanks so much for your time today. I really do appreciate it. It's been a really beautiful, insightful conversation. But, look, I just want to say a huge marabou, which is thank you to you, Romy. Oh, you're very and, welcome. Um, um, and, you know, stay safe and well on, on my nation, on the Gomeroy country, and I hope it gives you many, many, many more wonderful cultural experiences in your life while you're... Um, working up on, on, on a wonderful part of the world. Yeah, it's so, giving me life out here. It's beautiful country. I'm absolutely in love with the mountains and the rivers. I just think it's so profound every day I, when I look out there. I really do feel it's unbelievable. So I'm, I'm here to look after it as well. And, yeah, proud to be here. Okay, so look, I, we say, you know, we don't have a word for goodbye because I don't want to say goodbye to mm. you. And if you um, see any worth in uh, bringing me back in for a future podcast or a yarn. Of course. I'm certainly up for it. Wonderful. Uh, That's great. That's so great. All the best to you, t- to you and the two TM staff. Chat to you soon. Thanks so much, Phil. You're right. Bye.